0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Empowering the Opposition. My name is Lexi Wilson. I'm a licensed master social worker.
1: And my name is Dr. Nafis Alam, and our topic today will be self-accountability. Lexi, you and I have been talking about uh, accountability, how important it is, and also some alternatives to accountability.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think self-accountability is a really interesting topic. We think so much today, um, in today's times, I guess, about... Not necessarily about accountability for ourselves and mm-hmm. our own actions, but we think a lot and about deterring blame. A lot of times, you know, blaming um, things on our environments or other people. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would just be an interesting topic for us to explore today.
1: So do you think that we're so defensive about our own psyches that mm-hmm. we would much rather find a way to blame other people um and not take accountability so that it's it can serve as a defense mechanism or are there people out there who maybe go too far in one direction or the other direction and they're overly accountable for things that have nothing to do mm. with them and that might be a little bit of a, uh, an issue as well
0: Oh, I think it's I think it's both. I think just like with anything, right, that we talk about on this podcast, it depends. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people can take everything and anything in in, in an extreme direction as humanly possible, right? And we see that all the time. When we're talking about blame and accountability, I think we need to just think about it with an open mind Mm -hmm. and just understanding that, yeah, people can take things to the extremes, but in... We're all human, right? right? We all have times where we try to escape accountability and use you know defense mechanisms such as you know blame shifting mm. um, so that that's a very real thing and, and we all do it. It's just a matter of being you know conscious and aware of what we're doing um, and not always trying to escape blame but being accountable you know to ourselves um, for our own actions
1: so what is it that makes us so? averse to like, self-reflection when it comes mm-hmm. to negative self-reflection? Mm. Do we have a fear of growth? I, I don't think that can be the case. But do we have a fear of almost coming to the understanding or the realization, painful as it may be, that we are not as uh, much of a finished product mm. as we'd like to believe that we are?
0: Yeah. I I actually really, really like what you're saying there because I think... There's this pressure that, yeah, we do need to be this finished product. We need to be on top of our game. You know, we are our best as we're ever going to be, which is not true, right? Life Mm -hmm. is a journey, not a destination. And so many of us treat our lives as destinations Mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we all want to grow, right? We all know that growth is good. However, what gets in the way, right, can be pride, our egos. Right. I think egos especially, right? Right. Taking accountability for ourselves and our own, you know, um, mishappenings means that we have to reflect on ourselves and kind of put our egos in check. And that can be hard because it means that, you know, we have to humble ourselves a little bit and pride is so much more attractive at times.
1: Yeah. So I guess if we're empowering the opposition, maybe it's it's best to not take accountability because it will it is a defense mechanism and it protects you from turning the lens upon yourself and seeing your own flaws mm-hmm. and depending on who you are you may there there may be listeners out there who are not yet ready to see in themselves what others see yeah. in them mm-hmm. whether it's potential to be something great or Having done something or having the potential to be someone who could potentially be very evil, for example, Mm -hmm. um, some people are just not ready to know their own truth, it would appear, Mm -hmm. even when it's obvious to everybody else around them.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, readiness for change is really a huge factor when it comes to self accountability, right? We have to be ready and willing um, to be at a place in our lives where we can really reflect on ourselves in a, in the most objective manner possible. Mm -hmm. And that, and by doing so, that means that, yeah, we do have to like try to humble ourselves, but that comes at the cost of, you know, pushing our ego aside and humbling, humbling ourselves, but not everyone's ready for that. I mean, a lot of my life, I was not ready for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's kind of one of those things that life goes in seasons, right? And some seasons it may be easier for people to reflect upon themselves and their lives than in other seasons.
1: Yeah, and it depends on the person too mm-hmm. and it depends on the history and their readiness for change and whether or not they have the strength to see something that may sometimes be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I had an old friend, uh I don't know why this just came to mind, she was moving she was looking at different places to move to uh, and I might have shared this in a, in a previous podcast so if this is repetitive you'll have to excuse me but one of my friends was looking at places to move to mm-hmm. and she was she's the type of person to just like place blame on other everything else except mm-hmm. besides herself yeah like and
0: external she was, factors yeah
1: external locus of control uh, and she would always. Like, she was very self-aware of that, so she would talk to me about it, and I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so when you're moving, and, like, you're looking at places that, like, hasn't had an earthquake in X amount of years, right? So if you move there, and an earthquake happens, then you should try and force yourself to take accountability for having moved to a place Mm -hmm. where there has been no earthquakes, therefore, an earthquake was due. Yeah. Versus... Mm -hmm. If you were to move to a place where there are a lot of earthquakes, and you mm-hmm. were to move there, and there's an earthquake, take accountability for the fact that you've moved to a place where there are mm-hmm. lots of earthquakes. It's a it's a strange sort of exercise because obviously she has no control over earthquakes, mm-hmm. but she does have control over the decisions that she's making, yeah. and the decisions that she's making could put her in positions that. Uh, She's experiencing things that she might not want to experience. Now, Mm -hmm. something might happen where like in a particular location, an earthquake or a hurricane or a tornado or some kind of natural disaster is due because there hasn't been one for so long. Yeah. Or you can move to a place where it just happens all the time so you can expect it. Mm -hmm. The idea is around building an internal locus of control Mm -hmm. where if all you've had has been an external locus of control, then the opposite is what you need to learn. Mm-hmm. And if all you've had is an internal locus of control, then the opposite then is what yeah. you need to learn, an external locus of control For with her, because she's op- she's been operating from an external locus of control for so long. You want to try and force her, you know, kindly and gently, of course, to consider the internal locus of control and take responsibility for things that are clearly not mm-hmm. hers to take responsibility for, so that then she can train herself to
0: take accountability mm-hmm. for everything that happens to her and happens with her. With her, yeah. And so let's kind of break these things down a little bit because these can be some. You know difficult terms or terms that are kind of misunderstood Mm -hmm. so as far as external locus of control Mm -hmm. um that is considered to be things in your environment right so things things that you know you you can have minimal sort of control over but not really right so like obviously earthquakes is going to be one of those things you don't have control over earthquakes obviously Mm -hmm. but maybe you have control over the environment maybe the community you live in or you know things like that outside Whereas internal, um, internal locus of control is?
1: is like where everything that, every decision that you make is based on your own person and you're not dependent on any other external factors. Mm-hmm. So the locus of control element is where you're looking as you're making decisions. Mm, so an yeah. internal locus of control means that the only person that you're trying to make happy is you. Mm. An external locus of control means that the only person or persons, I guess, in your environment, the only, yeah. only entities you're trying to make yeah. happy are outside of yourself. Mm. Now both have pros and both have cons. Now, you know the way yeah. that I define yeah the way yeah. that I defined it it would almost appear as though having an internal locus of control is automatically a good thing, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case because if all you want to do is make yourself happy and live mm-hmm. up to your own standards, what if your standards are antisocial yeah or, or illegal or mm-hmm. unethical from a societal standpoint, mm-hmm. um, or inconsiderate or insensitive yeah or to the selfish people that, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so like that could be a detriment. So, you know, even that positive as we're empowering the opposition, the internal locus of control, which generally in psychology is heralded as the better locus of control to have. So Mm -hmm. this way you're not susceptible to external factors. But that doesn't mean that you're not susceptible to anything at all. So the, the pro is that you are your own person. You're not gonna be mm-hmm. negatively or positively impacted by the outside world, mm-hmm. but the negative is that you may be not what's best for your community. Yeah, yeah. And then from an external locus of control standpoint, the pros are that you are very agreeable. Mm-hmm. You're, you're there to make people happy. You're probably the mm-hmm. the, the person in town or the village or wherever you're living yeah. where everybody wants to be your friend because mm-hmm. they know that you're you have an open ear to listen mm-hmm. to them, you have good advice for them, you wanna give them guidance, you take pride in how happy other people are. Mm-hmm. But then the con of that mm-hmm. is that where who are you? Yeah. If nobody else is there.
0: Yeah. I I think that's such a good point and I think something I can really relate to. I think a lot of people who tend to lean on the side of, you know, an external locus of control is that they try to find fulfillment and um, just meaning from, you know, pleasing others, that's kind of where you see the people pleasing tendencies. Um, And and that's kind of where they find their meaning, right? Yeah. And so I think the opposition to that is, you know, at times people can lose themselves in really just trying to please everyone around them and not really focusing time, you know, for themselves Mm -hmm. and making decisions solely, you know, for what's best for them, not necessarily what's best for everybody else. Yeah. So yeah, there really are pros and cons to both of these. And I think... You know, it's not like one's better than the other, really. We, we kind of need a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. And if we, you know, absent of one, we wouldn't be able to survive because mm-hmm. essentially, especially as social creatures as we are, we're dependent on the other people, but we're also dependent on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if all we had was an external locus of control, we wouldn't even feed ourselves. Yeah. Because yeah. we're be taking <laughs> because, food away from other people. Yeah.
0: So where, where do you lean more towards sniffies, external or internal? Locus
1: I think, of you know, I, I, I think I definitely lean more toward the internal locus of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that y- the answer to your question is going to vary based on maybe the, the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I feel like the older I get, the more I have an internal locus of control. Um, so an example that comes to mind, I was just right off the cuff. Yeah, is that uh, every girl that I've dated recently has mentioned how much they hate long hair and beards. What? And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. You know, I, just it, it appears that uh, that that this is what is, what I'm hearing. That is. so strange. Uh, from the general public, <laughs> and uh, and yet. They still want to go out. Yeah. Right? They still want to hang out. They still want to spend time with me. Um, same thing with like you know some of the the friends that I've been making here too is like you know there's like the beard is just not with it. Like what? When the hair is just not. But like I don't really care. Yeah. So it's the interesting thing is that sometimes people don't know what they want. So when I shaved my beard off and I had shorter hair, I found that I had I was less market value, lower market value, let's say, right? (laughs) Um, But then when I grow the beard and the hair out, I have higher market value, but the perception is that I have lower market value. So from an external locus of control, even my my parents and my cousins and my aunts are like, you know, you look much better when you didn't have a beard and long hair. And like, maybe that's true, but for some reason... That's what you're saying. Yeah. But the way that I'm being treated is different. Exactly. Interesting. So hmm. in the past you could say that I had more of an external locus of control because I was hesitant on growing out my hair, mm-hmm. I was hesitant on growing out my beard because I felt like, you know, people would just like judge me in a negative kind of way because yeah. they would always say, "Huh, hey, beards are really dirty, long hair on guys." I think I don't that's know.
0: so such a weird thing. And I think what's interesting about that is is we have this weird perception of like, well, it makes sense though, physicality, right? And our different attributes. Like we care so much about hair and where it's at and, and if you have it there or not, or how much hair do you have? Like yeah. it's, it's kind of a weird thing, you know? Yeah. Like it's just so strange. And you know, even with me, like I guarantee if I shave my head right now, Or if I chopped it really short and dyed it blue, like, would not have the same market value, you know, like, would not, yeah, would not have as much interest in me, I guess. Um, Or people would be making some very, very um, interesting comments. I think
1: with the blue hair, with the longer hair for, for guys, for example, and like the beard, I think externally people pick up on that. And like when people tell you that you know your blue hair looks looks weird or long hair and a beard mm-hmm. on a guy I don't know when you maintain that yeah fine you don't like it that's perfectly fine yeah. people pick up on a certain level of confidence that you Ooh, have.
0: authenticity yeah. yeah so
1: like you know I'm not this is, this beard isn't for you this beard yeah. is for me this, yeah exactly you know? so exactly can, yeah so, and that's been my response and yeah. like you know like if we were together would you shave your beard like we just wouldn't be together yeah like, no 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 don't say that okay. So oh it's like, my gosh so it's are like, you kidding me no but like in the past when yeah. i had an external locus of control i'd probably be like yeah, i guess i would consider it you know yeah. just but the the funny thing is like the older i get the more i realize that if you have an internal locus of control within reason when mm-hmm. you're not trying to be mean to people intentionally but you're just living your own life and being who you are yeah. unapologetically mm-hmm. people pick up on that and i don't know if it's it, if it makes people feel more comfortable being who they are mm-hmm. because you're not afraid to be who you are. Yeah. So it gives them the, the right to permission, do that. Exactly. Yeah, the permission, to, to themselves. do themselves. Or if it's just the idea that what's the point of even giving him advice? If he's mm-hmm. not going to shave, if he's not going to cut the hair off, I'm not even going to bother telling him, you know, whatever. He looks the way yeah. he looks and that's it. So maybe it's either acceptance or mm-hmm. permission. Yeah. Either way, it makes people feel more comfortable. It's like the weirdest thing that... Hmm. Everything or not everything, not everything, <laughs> but some of the things that people tell you to do, they actually want. They're essentially shit testing you.
0: They are, yes.
1: Yeah, and if yes, you yes. and if you sort of do what they ask you to do, yeah. they feel like they've they, they have, have control pen, over you, and now they know that Ooh, you have yeah. an external locus of control. Yes.
0: But and you, and I think external, so this is not only just experience, right? But I think, you know, research also shows this as well, is if you have an external locus of control, you're far easily more, or you are far more easily manipulated. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and that's, I think, just fascinating to me is like, yeah, the you know, external and internal locuses of control can be weaponized. They can mm-hmm. be, you know, used for things that aren't that great. But yeah, I think that shit testing is such a good example of like hey if someone you know tells you you don't like the beard or whatever yeah. and you're like oh god you don't like it like should i shave you know they're they're going to be like oh, okay like i have this power over right, you or exactly. whatever like it's just it's bullshit like yeah. you know
1: and many times shit testing is done and the shit tester <laughs> Doesn't even know that they're doing it. Yeah. So if you call them out, like, you're just, you're just, like, trying to see if I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And they'll be like, no, no, I'm not. It's such a conscious thing, though.
0: I think it is, absolutely.
1: Yeah, at the the conscious, -conscious at the conscious level, I don't think that they realize it. But I do it, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and and sometimes I don't even pick up on it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is absolutely a human thing. And I think... What's important is to just like be aware that when we do it and also to just notice it in others too. Because that's that's not something I've ever really thought about too much until just recently. And yeah, it absolutely, um, a lot of people do it and you just have to know when they're doing it, why they're doing it and how to handle it.
1: And sometimes they don't even know that they're doing it. That they're doing it. And I think
0: one of the most freeing things in the world too is just like, when, when someone has a very solid internal locus of control, mm-hmm. and and let's say, you know, they, they do have some external locus as well, but if they have a solid internal locus of control, nothing anyone says is going to matter because at the end of the day, the person they're trying to please and make happy is themselves, right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes that can piss people off a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you're not concerned about being agreeable, hmm um and sort of playing to the crowd and you're mm-hmm. just in it for your own happiness other people might see it as, well, you're not prioritizing anyone's happiness yeah. but your own, yeah, which yeah. isn't an incorrect statement to make.
0: But it's not a bad statement and it's not a good statement mm-hmm. either. Like yeah. it's neither because you need you need both. Yeah. Like I definitely, I've, you know, I'm pretty self-aware in the fact I know I, I have a lot of external locus of control and that's something that I'm actively changing and working on changing in myself. Um, to understand that, yeah, like, this is something that I need to be more comfortable in, be less agreeable, you know, be be okay with um, exactly, like, how I am as I am now. Um, because, yeah, absolutely, like, this, this kind of stuff is, is totally real. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think, yeah. you know, having an internal locus of control is almost always celebrated. So I don't want to spend too, too much time mm-hmm. talking about that. But you know, being that we are about empowering the opposition, yeah. how can we paint an external locus of control in a truly positive light instead of being patronizing to it? And I'm thinking mm-hmm. that having an external locus of control generally can mean that if you are someone with a great deal of power and you are surrounded by people who are who have the best interests of the overall community in mind yeah mm-hmm. then you could be sort of like a very good person very good civilian for your community so if you're if you're in power because of money or because of politics mm-hmm. whatever it might be and you've got people in your ear who are good people who are mm-hmm. concerned with the with the uh, the wellness of that particular community they might ask you hey listen, the roads are really bad, lots of potholes, like, you've got the clout, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, we really need to help us out here. Yeah, Yeah. so, and then, that external locus of control could mean that for the benefit of your community, you've listened to your trusted advisors to use your power to better Mm -hmm. the community. Yeah. You know, I think most successful politicians, likable politicians, tend often to have an external locus of control. Some, Mm -hmm. Are way too overboard with it, where they'll just say whatever their constituents yeah, want them to say. Yeah, I feel say. like
0: it can be you. You know, it can be very fake. Yeah, it um, can be. But it can also be very powerful and very genuine.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like you know, a lot of a lot of politicians, a lot of pe- a lot of people pleasers. Anyone who's a people pleaser would be more of an external locus of control yeah. person. Um. So you know, th- there is something to be something positive to be said about that. Mm-hmm. And listen, I think the most positive thing that you can say about someone with an external locus of control is that you are never going to be short on friends. Never going to be short on friends. Mm -hmm. If you're a people pleaser, and hopefully you're not being taken advantage of, right? But like if you're a people pleaser... But they often are. Well, they often are. But like, you know, you're always going to get someone calling you, hey, this happened. Yeah. You know, I just need someone to talk to mm-hmm. and you're just there to someone listen. Someone who's going
0: to drop everything and go and, yeah.
1: Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. So you're always going to have friends with an external locus of control and that cannot be discounted. Speaking as someone who has four or five friends here, period, in Boise, so like I could, I could use a little bit more external locus of control, <laughs> I suppose. But, um, but you know, it's, it, it's valuable in that sense. And if you have a lot of friends, you could build a great network.
0: Oh, absolutely. And by
1: building that great network, you might have a friend who wants to then help you out Mm -hmm. and put you in a position of power or, you know, advance your career, let's Mm -hmm. say. Or, you know, hook you up with a sister and you guys get married or something like that. You know, so that that could happen. That networking happens because of an external locus of control. Control. Mm -hmm. People with an internal locus of control tend often to struggle with networking. Tend Mm -hmm. often to struggle with making friends, tend often to even sometimes consider other people's feelings, Mm -hmm. you know? So while the majority of academic literature will celebrate an internal locus of control at the detriment of an external locus of control, we cannot get into the habit of just, you know, being any other podcast Mm -hmm. or academic whatever uh, and and not consider what the opposing viewpoints are. And the opposing viewpoint is that there is value in having friends. There is value in being social. Mm -hmm. There is value in being agreeable Mm -hmm. you know
0: absolutely i think there is a lot of value and there's you know a place for you know those kind of people and as someone who does you know understand that i have an external predominantly external locus of control you know that's what led me to be a social worker you know helping others helps to give my life meaning and gives me happiness right but i think once people kind of push that too far or give and give and give or you know if when you have too much external locus of control that's when you like you said earlier you lose yourself um in that process Mm -hmm. and so yeah it's it's very interesting and then when i when we kind of tie in here self-accountability with Mm -hmm. internal and external locus of control that's what gets really interesting as well right i think you know, people who lean more towards the internal locus of control, right? They're going to blame their sel- themselves, you know, they're probably harder on themselves than probably anyone else. Yeah. Um, really only focusing on themselves. And then when you have people who have an external locus of control, you know, blame shifting, right? That's probably more predominant with those with external locus of control. Yeah. Um, you know, is what I would, you know, gather anyway. Yeah,
1: and there's safety there in being able to blame others it might be one of the reasons why an external locus of control is sort of valued in that if all you're doing is what other people are asking you to do Mm -hmm. then you can't be at fault for doing the wrong thing
0: exactly you know yeah and i think like when we look around us right now like everything is blame shifted, you know, no matter what it is, nobody wants to take accountability for really anything. Mm. Um, And so when we see that around us in our broader society, how difficult is it for us to just turn the lens in on ourselves and take our own accountability?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's very difficult to get there. But once you've gotten there, it's difficult. It's like a habit, right? Yeah. So if it's a good habit, a good mm-hmm. habit is just as difficult to break as a bad habit. Yeah. So if you're used to taking responsibility for things, then you know you're. you're it's it's going to be feel awkward to not do not all of a that. sudden.
0: So it's something that we should all practice.
1: Should we, or should we empower the opposition and say uh, that
0: yeah.
1: we shouldn't practice it? Yeah. How is accountability? Like, we've talked about how accountability is, is a good thing, um, mm. you know, high character morality and stuff like that. Yeah. How can we talk about accountability through the lens of empowering the opposition in such a way that we're considering opposing viewpoints yeah. of that?
0: Hmm. I think when we're opposing, you know, our own accountability, it, it can save. Our pride and our egos mm. like we had mentioned earlier but my question is why like biologically when we think about ourselves as humans why would that be important to kind of skip over that accountability and protect our egos and and ourselves mm. and I mean I don't know how accurate this is but I mean if I'm thinking like tribally like humans thousands of years ago why, why that would be important mm you know, maybe, you, you know, you do need a strong leader, you know, in your clan. You need someone who, who's going to make difficult decisions. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, it is perceived as weakness when people will take accountability for things that have happened to them or around them rather than, um, you know, blaming it on the, you know, opposing tribe or, yeah. you know, w- which could be much, e- much easier. So... I guess my point to that would be it's perceived as weak. And yeah. so by not being accountable, it can be perceived as strength.
1: Yeah, yeah, it could be. There's also an old saying. I, I think I, I might be butchering it. Um, and when I say old, like it's just from my family and stuff like that. So it's not, it's not might not be. A real saying. Yeah, generally <laughs> uh, accepted. But the saying goes, at, like, you can't build a boat in the rain.
0: I've never heard that, Okay, but I like it though, it's good. (laughs) So the
1: idea is that by protecting yourself from blame, like Mm -hmm. being in a shed, let's say, you're able to build a boat that can deal with water. So essentially Mm -hmm. by blame shifting and by not taking accountability, you're protecting yourself just long enough to build enough strength to be able to protect yourself moving forward. Right? So you can't build a boat in the rain, meaning that you find a shed, it's raining, but you're still protected from the rain. Mm-hmm. And as you're building that boat, that rain isn't impacting you. So you get a chance to develop that boat. Yeah. And when the boat is ready to go, you take it out in the water. It might be raining, but you're still able to deal with it mm-hmm. because you were protected long enough to be able to develop a product in this example. Mm. In other examples would be your own psyche yeah. to be able to deal with the hate. Yeah. because i think especially you know in from a developmental standpoint it's very important for children to master mm-hmm. not getting blamed not taking responsibility <laughs> yeah. this way they see themselves as the superhero of their own stories mm-hmm. and they're able to excel through the developmental stages because they're not stuck on their failures. Yeah,
0: they have to have this certain level of confidence. And yeah. and we do see that, you know, with children. I used to work at a preschool during my undergrad and you know, they're all so confident. They're not thinking about what's what they did wrong that day or yeah. anything like that. They're not dwelling on that or on, ruminating on it like a lot of adults do. Mm. Um they're so on to the next thing, the next thing, and they have these beautiful confidences that, you know, I wish us as adults could have. Yeah,
1: you know? I yeah I I'm reminded of a story with uh, with one of my little cousins, who I was babysitting and uh, never asked me to babysit. I'm terrible <laughs> at it, um, but I was babysitting her and I think she was about I would say maybe like four years old ish. And we were playing this game called Crocodile Golf. Mm-hmm. So you put the head of a crocodile in any part of the room, mm-hmm. and you just try to hit the book golf ball, ball in into, the, into yeah. the crocodile's head. And I'm like, <laughs> I play some golf, and my short game is pretty good. And I don't care how old you are, I'm happy to destroy you in any sport. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's golf. Let's
0: go.
1: So she goes first. I want her to go first because, you know, it's her house. I'm babysitting her mm-hmm. at her house. And I also want to see how the carpet plays. So I have a little bit of an advantage mm-hmm. over my four-year-old little cousin. Oh, my gosh. So she goes first. She gets gets the ball sort of close to the crocodile's oh head. And then I line it up. I go for it. I, I wish I could tell you that I, I got it into the crocodile's mouth, but I didn't. But I got it much closer than she did. Mm-hmm. So after this happened, I was you know rising up triumphant and she said I win I'm like <laughs> well, what do you mean you win like i got it much closer so i, I get You're the like tape arguing
0: measure. with her
1: oh, yeah no, i i'm all about winning right yeah. so i take i find a tape measure i yeah. show that like you know my ball is closer the crocodile and your your ball and she's like no whoever gets it further away from the head is the winner
0: so i was like all right your house your
1: rules fine now i know so the next shot yeah she goes first again she gets it sort of close to the crocodile's head. i pitched the ball or rather chip the ball into a different room and Mm. i'm like i got this i'm so far away from the crocodile's head she says what i win yep and then I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, my uh, I, I, Not my proudest moment because I did curse out a child. That's so um, funny. And, you know, I'm like, how is this possible? And she was like, no, this time whoever gets it closer Closes. is the winner. So I'm like, no, you have to establish the rules before <laughs> you go. She's kind of a
0: genius.
1: She is. She yeah. gets under my skin still to <laughs> this day. Still to so, this
0: day. Yeah, so. How old is she now?
1: She is 12 now? Oh, 13? my yeah. gosh. Yeah. 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 So so she you know she, her level of confidence was such that she couldn't lose. Mm-hmm. You know, if I got yeah. it closer, then didn't the goal matter. was to get it further. Yeah. If I got it further, then the goal was to get it closer. And she was so she didn't think this out. She wasn't yeah. like scheming yeah. to it was you know just off the cuff. she wasn't trying to ruin my day. Yeah. She just happened to it do, happened do it. To right? do so, it. So she just unintentionally ruined my day. That's
0: hilarious. Um,
1: But like, that's the level of confidence that I wish some adults had. That no matter what I do, I know I'm going to win. Yeah, you know, and that's the mentality exactly. that she had. Now, for her at her developmental stage, it's very important that she feels that way. Yeah, because that allows her to carry that confidence onto homework,
0: mm-hmm. onto
1: ballet, onto shoes, into music yeah. and stuff like that. So we are
0: t- we are taught to doubt ourselves. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're not taught to be confident in ourselves. We're yeah. just taught to be not confident yeah yeah you because know? we're
1: born confident yeah in it's natural it's a natural
0: thing yeah that's sad hmm.
1: yeah it is it is <laughs> now i'm kind of heated my blood's boiling I still remember <laughs> you're like that i
0: gotta win this golf I game she
1: was four years old i won i won i don't, I don't mean, know in my mind i think she won
0: No, she won you at the brain game you didn't even know you were playing she
1: did and like Like, I cursed this kid out. Oh, my god! And the thing was, like, you know, she knew me from the time she was born. Mm -hmm. So, like, like I guess I have that kind of behavior, I suppose, where, like, you know, I'm just, like, the weirdo of the family or friends group, I should say. So she just looked at me as I was, like, cursing her out. And she just, like, she said the one thing that you should never say to someone who's having an episode. Calm down. She said, are you done? (gasps)
0: Oh no (laughs) Which
1: guaranteed one thing. I wasn't done. Nope, you were were not done. No, but
0: this just reminds me like, you know, when when I've heard that before in my life, or like, what is it? Um Yeah, or are you done yet? Or what's what's the other one? There's like a common one.
1: It's calm down. Calm down. Don't
0: ever like who, whatever man decided to tell a woman to calm down, was the <laughs> stupidest human in the planet, and that it's just not happening. Like that's a great way to just be like, "I am not calm. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I will not be calm for a while.
1: Yeah, it's it's so true. But I mean, yeah, she, you know, from from this particular uh, concept, right? It makes sense to have that internal locus of control that is on steroids that accountability to self and confidence to Mm -hmm. to yourself um, in such a way that you just feel like you cannot fail Mm -hmm. because it allows you to build that boat outside of the rain Mm -hmm. so that when you do take it out you're able to survive whatever conditions you you deal with and the world is a cruel prey yeah cruel place yes so you know you do have to have a tough layer of skin Mm -hmm. to be able to just you know cope with day-to-day things yeah Um, so, so, but you'd, you'd have to learn how to develop that. You're not born with that tough skin. Mm -hmm. So I think like all these conflicts and back and forth, you know, uh, going between an external locus of control through certain developmental stages, back into an internal locus of Mm -hmm. control, back to an external locus of control. And then once you reach adulthood, Mm -hmm. you sort of have experience with both extremes and now you're able to make a conscious decision.
0: Which way you're going to go. Yeah. Because like, it's never really been a conscious thought even for me. Until like 24 years old, you know, almost 25. Like, it's something I've never really given much thought to until now. So I'm hoping, you know, others will benefit from this conversation as well. And thinking about the pros and cons of both of these. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't... I think the most important thing is that you just stay genuine. You know, we talk about accountability. We talk Mm -hmm. about locus of control. Uh, Don't try to be someone that you're not. Yeah. Because while you're trying to be that person, that person is probably trying to be you. Mm -hmm. So, And they'll never tell you that, just like you'd never tell them that, you know what I mean? Um, That's what's so funny is that, like, you know, you were mentioning hair prior to starting the podcast. (laughs) And, you know, it was just for a fleeting moment, I thought to myself, you know, people with curly hair... Try to straighten their hair. Yeah. And people with straight hair try to, you know, curl up their hair. Oh, that's such a good,
0: yeah, that's such a good, good example. Like, I mean, even for myself, like in middle school, I remember this kid and he was like, You will never have a boyfriend with curly hair. And oh my gosh, that was like my first, like, probably real experience uh a couple of first real experiences with like external locus of control. And then, yeah. and then it went kind of internal. And so, yeah, what did I do? I wanted to straighten my hair and I'd never thought about it until mm. someone had pointed it out. So I did that for a couple of years, you know, and I'm like, this is insane. Like this, this is like this beautiful hair that my yeah. mother gave me and like, it makes me unique and it's just like a part of like who I am. And so it's, yeah, I just think, I think it's interesting. Like authenticity is so important and so powerful and it's, we like, why live a life that we're trying to be something we're not. Right. Yeah. I think like at the same time too, though, we're all growing too. Like I recognize things in myself that I want to like change and be accountable for as we all, you know, to some extent do. So it's about being authentic, but also realizing, yeah, we can grow a little too.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Grow the way that you feel like you should be growing, not in the way that
0: others are telling you to exactly, yeah, exactly. or should be
1: exactly. Yeah. Because you know, more likely, you you'll never know how many people are silently wishing that they were you. Mm. You know, because like, just like you would probably not tell, you know the friend that you admire most that you wish you were like, you probably never tell them that, but Mm. like secretly you're like, you wish that you could be like them, be Mm. as tall as them, be as big as them, as strong as them Mm. or whatever it might be. Yeah. So like, and meanwhile, that friend of yours might be thinking to themselves, Oh, I wish I was as smart as him. Like, like, you know, everybody just wants to be someone else. And it's just like this weird weave or web, I should say, of, of, uh, of lies essentially. So, like, you know, if you really want to be different, just be yourself. Just be you. It's, like, be the simplest you. thing. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Authenticity is such, such a gift. And I think people can really see right through it, right? Yeah. Like, I would rather have an authentically, like, jerk, you know, than someone who's just kind of shallow, you know, a shallow friend. Yeah, you know I what agree. I mean? Like, I'd rather have a total jerk friend was just authentic than a very shallow like this nice is a nurse. saying that
1: hopefully you've heard maybe it's not just in my family but the idea is that an ugly truth is better than, than a beautiful, a beautiful lie. lie yeah well that's all the time we have for today i'm dr nafis olam
0: and i'm lexi wilson a licensed master social worker this has been empowering the opposition see you next time <laughs>